Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Dow. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow from the History of Alchemy Podcast. Superstitions and legends bind the Czech people together on so many levels here in the Czech Republic. And tonight's episode, we will shed some light on one particular destination that combines fact, fiction, and superstition. Our destination tonight is Huska Castle. Now, Travis, you and I made this road trip to the, to the castle, and it was a, a very interesting trip. The historical documentation on this castle is really quite limited in the English language, and it is really kind of far off the beaten tourist path. When you say off the beaten path, it was like basically in the middle of nowhere, which is, you know, one of the interesting things of it. It's, it wasn't near any borders. It wasn't near any trade routes. What makes the location kind of unique is that it was built on top of this huge, like, fissure in a, or like a big crack, basically, in, a, in the sandstone. And um, they, supposedly at the time, they couldn't even figure out how deep the sandstone win, went, like how deep the crack went. And so they built this castle on top of it sometime in the ninth century, possibly earlier. So there, there's a, chron a chronicler, Hayek, recounts a legend, which is basically the, the story of this strange crack. And it's, it's really at the top of a hill. And um, at the time when it was built, now there's, there's kind of a smoother access, but it was really like, you know, this top of this hill and then cliffs on all the, all the sides. And, and Travis, I'll interject real quick. We drove up to the top. It's... It's, you're actually supposed to walk it, <laughs> yeah. park at the base of this little of this limestone hill, and uh, you know we were allowed to actually drive up a little bit further because of our cool access pass that we had <laughs> to be able to go up to the top. And so as we're driving the car up 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 the hill, it was pretty steep, you know. And and so it and we found out later that it wasn't always that uh, you know that accessible for people. Yeah, to it there. used to just be cliffs. So, um, but that that's later in the history. Um, according to this this legend by Hayek. The site was known for kind of these these strange visitations, and local residents started calling it the hole to hell because you know, like I said, they they can't they couldn't even tell how deep it was, and the villagers started to kind of avoid the whole area, especially after dark. They believed that you know there was strange creatures living there, half animal, half half human, um, that would you know come out of this portal, this this crack in the rock, and uh, there was reports. Maybe coincidentally, no one, no, no one knows of um, uh, like missing livestock or dead livestock. And another belief associated with this that if if anybody went too close to the site uh, at at night, that there was a possibility that they themselves could be turned into one of these creatures 
you know, of the pit. And I guess, you know, the natural thing to do is maybe try to fill in the hole, right? You like just throw rocks in it and, and try to um, try to fill it in. But but everything they dumped in, it just kind of plummeted to the bottom and was swallowed. And, you know, there was no visible effect. You know, Travis, we, we uh, your wife came with us on this trip as well. And I, I think she had the same experience we all had with this. Was that uh, it's just a, it was a few days before Halloween <laughs> that we went up yeah. there. So actually, I had a lot of tourists up there trying to see something, it was you a know, good time for that. superstitious, yeah. occult-like, and uh, I think it was a perfect uh, fall day to, to to check this out. The castle itself uh, has been pretty well taken care of uh, for for being a castle with such older older roots. But the one thing that really stood out to me on this tour was the fact that you go in and you see this courtyard inside that had a, a well in the middle of it. But it was a very dark feeling to this place. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like some of these other castles we talked about on on Bohemian, such as uh, alabaster sort of uh, castles that kind of shine on a cliff. This one yeah, was this very dark, square, yeah. square-like, uh, very baroque in a lot of uh, senses. It, it was. Uh, it kind of stood as a, a very creepy place in a lot of respects. And that's not all. So when you mentioned the courtyard, probably the most interesting thing about this castle is that it's an inside-out castle. So the the defenses are at, towards the inside of the courtyard, which means it's more towards you know more aimed at something to 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 keep something in rather than keep something out. And that right there spooked me out a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's strange. <laughs> the tour yeah. guy said that 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 was like I, my ears perked up on that one. But something that was very unique that that uh, we had mentioned in previous uh, Bohemian podcasts when talking about Husky Castle is is the the fact that when whenever there's something that needs to be sanctified or or have a balance of good versus evil at least in in, Bohe- in uh, bohemia you put you put a, a chapel on it right so yeah. so, so if, if you if you can can imagine this deep fissure in the ninth century that opened up that caused all this all this uh, turmoil among the, the locals it could have been something as as, as simple as maybe uh, a heat vent or something along those lines oh uh, yeah that that caused some some birds to die, you know, or cause cattle to die because of asphyxiation. But to them, I, at this time, I would say it was probably, like they said, a gateway to hell. So therefore, let's build a chapel on it. If we can't fill up this fissure <laughs> with rocks and other Makes debris, <laughs> yeah. let, let's see if we can sanctify it to God. And that's exactly what we saw on the very first part of this tour was this chapel. And Travis, when you went inside this chapel, the frescoes that are on the side of the wall are some of the oldest frescoes in Central, Central Europe. Are, at least in, in, in Bohemia, they all had some very interesting rep- representations of the battle between good and evil. So they covered the crack with these big, thick stone plates, and then the chapels, the castle's chapel was constructed, like you said, and then it was dedicated to the archangel Michael, who was, you know, the, the leader of God's armies, and you know, the, the fighting, the fighting makes angel. complete sense. The yeah. left hand of God was going to be there to. Def- yep. Too. Yeah, defend it. Defend and it. <laughs> so these these frescoes you mentioned are possibly as early as the 1400s, or most likely as early as the 1400s, and they depict Michael in two scenes. In one, he's fighting a dragon, which you know, like think of symbol of evil, Lucifer, or something like that. Um, in the other scene, he holds a sword in one hand and a set of scales in the other, and he's weighing the souls at the last judgment. Another thing that's shown is the crucifixion. And also St. Christopher, who I might point out is the patron saint of alchemists. The, another really, maybe the most interesting thing 
there's a completely unique fresco there and it's kind of this this creature it's an upper body of a woman lower body of a horse so think like centaur or something but she's holding a, a bow in her right hand so she's a left-handed shooter basically and with the left she's aiming an arrow at a human figure this is a completely unique fresco period it's the only female centaur left-handed uh, archer ever in existence and as a fresco and uh, who knows what that means or if it has some symbolism behind it behind it but um, there are some stories that there's that the site could predate Christianity in Bohemia so if you go back all the way back to the ninth century that's that's before Christianity by at least a century so it's it's possible um, so some people think that this fresco of this of the centaur is kind of linked to the gateway to hell that that she's like coming from it you know it has to do with these myths of like we mentioned before half animal half human creatures that would come out of the gateway to hell so uh, yeah it's it's a really interesting site so Travis as you mentioned the the entrance to the underworld uh, it has a lot of legends connected to this with Huska Castle um, as we previously mentioned this in 17th century at the time of the Thirty Years War there was a period when the castle really stood on guard and it was uh, taken taken over by the Swedish commander that by the name of Aranto and he made his headquarters there now what makes this interesting is that Aranto was was known to dabble in black magic uh, and uh, he had uh, some connections to alchemy as, as well as performed really kind of really sketchy experiments within the walls of this castle so that kind of added more to the darkness that you see there not only this but during the time of Ronto's occupation his soldiers became a terror on the local villagers and uh, created uh, some unspeakable crimes his comeuppance kind of came uh, in a very uh, interesting way as well he was he was struck in the middle of the night and shot through a window supposedly as he was working on his laboratory to discover the elixir of eternal life travis which uh, is interesting on our uh, the alchemy podcast that that you that you and I do. The elixir of life is part of the sorcerer the sorcerer stone. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. All right. So something that was sort, sought after not only to make gold but to prolong one's life. So it was an alchemist lab too. Alchemist lab as well. There you so go. that another reason why we had to make this trip. Yeah. Right. So uh, I you know I thought it was very very interesting that uh, when you talk about Bohemia and you talk about the Thirty Years' War. Almost everything that was here of, of substance was sacked by the Swedes when they came in, uh, or taken over, or sacked. Huska Castle was no exception to this. And so you have that kind of really eerie feeling of uh, Aranto being there, performing these probably really desperate acts on people. Yeah. And uh, so that adds to it as well. You, you could go even further back, because some of the legends... Um, are actually from just from the area or than the castle itself. We mentioned the, the, the hole to hell, but there's, there's also archaeological evidence of Celtic inhabitation of this area dating way back into antiquity and then Slavic tribes migrating in the 6th century. So um, there, it's, it's an interesting area by itself. And then we mentioned that the first, possibly a small wooden fort, on that same kind of precipice on the on top of the cliff there the first known structure could have actually been a small wooden fort that stood there all the way back in the ninth century so again this the stone one is from the the 13th century so this is you know centuries before that and again this is before christianity so that's it's a, it is a pretty old site you know we, we also get we uh, we talked about the 17th century we we've moved into the 30 years war uh, in the 18th century now you know let's take a look at the mid 19th century Already, this place has got some uh, uh, 
on the creep meter uh, pretty high that people want to take a, uh, a trip out here to really experience that. And that's exactly what uh, the famous Czech poet Karl Heinrich Maka did by spending the night in Huska Castle. And he actually had some interesting sort of dreams while he was there. And one seemed a little bit prophetic. So one thing that I, I felt that was, was really interesting on the tour was that we talked about this letter that uh, Maka had actually sent to his friend Edward Hindle. And Maka described this, his soul in this dream descending into a pit and then being transported into a hellish mechanized future. Hint, hint. Uh, so he actually thought it would be Prague, you know, uh, in, the, in the 21st century, where he wandered in horror and despair, it is said. Among other unnerving experiences in this vision, Maka had wrote to his friend that he met a small girl that showed him moving pictures in a small casket or maybe a coffin. What could that be? Interesting. Yeah. Right? And the scene, uh, it, we, it was walking through the, the darkness in these cliffs, uh, riddled with holes, projected an eerie yellow light, uncannily similar to modern Slishta, which I don't know exactly where that is, but something that he had a connection with of, of seeing the future. Kind of, it's, it's an area of kind of like Panalaks. Panalaki that we, that we see here in Prague, right? So um, already he's seeing a mechanized future with groups of people living in, in giant buildings for conformity, and he's oh, seeing Panalux, this on the outskirts of Prague. Panalux is sandstone cliffs. Yeah, yeah that's can, interesting. Can, can you see yeah. that a little bit? Um, so he recounted all this in 1836 to give a vision of the future. Sounds very H.G. Wells, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? So this, I think uh, this was uh, interesting that he had this viewpoint. Now, this is not the only sort of, of uh, uh, focus of the occult. Let's fast forward to the 20th century, Travis, and the Nazi occupation. Uh, of Huska Castle. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because the written doc, like the written documentation from that period, is just missing, because the SS took over the castle, and uh, they occupied it from 1939 until 1945. And the thing is, is that all the records were completely destroyed. You know. Well, you couldn't even find this place on a map. I mean, they yeah. didn't even have it on a map. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they took it off the maps. So, uh, who knows when, what went on there. I know, we, we know that there was a, a part of the SS that had a, a really keen interest in, in these kind of supernatural areas and phenomenon. I mean, that was a very small part of the SS, so it could just as likely have just been a, a remote kind of hiding place or or is someone's almost like a private house. I mean, who, I mean, you know, it doesn't really help to speculate, but hey, there you go. Something definitely happened there, and it is pretty interesting to note that they did occupy that. Obviously, if you let your imagination go wild, you could, um, you could perhaps imagine that Himmler was interested in researching the strange connections and the, and the occult phenomena or, or legends that are related to the castle. Um, that wouldn't have been unheard of, and it wouldn't have been the only time that that happened. But again, I mean, they completely destroyed the, the all the records from the time. Um, what is interesting is that after the war, it was necessary to clear the castle area of landmines. So it was it was clearly something that they they did protect. Also, that's the exact reason why the current owners won't allow any excavation inside the castle to determine the existence of this supposed bottomless bottomless crack in the limestone for fear of some possible existence of undiscovered German explosives. So it's it's hard to say. There could be something underneath the castle still today that, you know, someday we'll, we'll see and find. Uh, looking around the outside of the castle, before you go into the gates, we talked about we've already been on the tour on the inside, and, and Travis had, had gone around uh, in several rooms where there were 
hunting trophies, of course, and there were uh, reconstructions uh, to kind of befit somebody with with wealth in the 20th century. So, you know, we talked uh, uh, about about the tour around the castle. There's a couple things that I wanted to mention about the surrounding areas. At the top of this hill, of course, just, just beyond the castle gates, uh, you're going to see a uh, pretty big statue to St. Lumilla. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so there, there is that kind of Weird. connection. Weird. That's a, it's in a creepy place. Just it it it's, is. It's off in the woods, and this, you know, statue of this of this woman. Well, yeah. you know, we went we Strange. went during the fall season here, and I, I bet you it's got another creep factor. A couple. <laughs> do we actually have a a rating for creep a cre- factor a in creep, this? A, a creepometer. creepometer? Yeah, yeah uh, that it would probably go up a little higher during the winter months when things look dead and barren, no leaves on the trees. You would kind of get that really kind of uh, uh, ominous sort of feel. But I, I think that you really get that, that sinking feeling when you get into the courtyard and when you go into the dungeon areas, Travis, that you see that this place uh, had, it still holds a lot of history to it that's, that's negative. They mentioned on the tour that, that also in the 20th century, especially the, like the later part of the 20th century, that um, the area was really well known for UFO sightings and these ufologists or whatever you call them. They were out there a few times to go investigate sightings and that kind of thing. So I, yeah, I didn't find anything about that, but um, yeah, weird. I mean, even today, like the the kind of say younger generation occultists go out there and and do their thing. So it's it's still a it's still an interesting kind of place. Well, even pe- today. people actually sign up for their weddings here, so I don't know if that's gonna is that a good <laughs> is that yeah, a good thing uh, to do? <laughs> All right, but I, I the tour guide actually said this, and I thought this was was extremely interesting. Is that the place is owned by the descendants of the Škoda auto manufacturer. Right. Right. Now, if yeah. you're, you're not familiar with the auto manufacturer here in Czech Republic, as, as you know, in different parts of the world, they take pride in, in the vehicles that they make. As far as Czech Republic goes, Škoda is, is their brand name. It's, it's their car that they produced uh, and were or allowed to produce during the communist uh, takeover. However, the castle was in disrepair at the time in, in the, uh, I believe, in the 1950s, Travis, is that what he was saying? The Škoda family had it in the First Republic. I see. And then the communists took it. And then the communists did nothing with it. And then, so when they gave it to his great-grandchild or great-grandchildren or something, um, the, the first thing they had to do was co- totally strip it down and renovate it because communists, you know, take everything, but they don't take care of anything. Well, and at the time, and this is was, was a big political hot potato uh, with a lot of people still to this day of wanting their ancestral homes and those things given. So what happened after the communists left, the Czech Republic government at the time in, the, in 1990, 91, didn't necessarily want to give everything back to everybody because then the, the government right. would have nothing. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, um, so that's kind of a tug of war for a lot of uh, landmarks and, and castles and, and locations throughout the Czech Republic. Uh, you can ask uh, any descendants of, of of maybe even the uh, the Rosenbergs or uh, the Eggenbergs, yeah. you know that that they are still trying to get their hands on a few things. You do you uh, want to hear another story about this? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> there's another one. There, there's a, there's quite a few, but um, there's one more that uh, the a duke of the Duba clan. Um, he was kind of curious about the secret behind the hold of hell, and he had the bright idea to offer a condemned prisoner a full pardon. If he would be willing to go, you know, with basically tied to a rope, be lowered down into the crack. Did you did you hear that story? I did, and actually, we mentioned this on on a previous uh, podcast when we talked about is that, uh, witches was that in and the, dungeons. Yeah, yeah, and um, it didn't turn out too well for the guy. So yeah, he, yeah, <laughs> they lowered him down. He started screaming, and when they raised him back up, 
what his his hair turned he his, his hair was white and he was kind of never the same again like he Well, just, he didn't live much longer after that. I mean, okay, he actually had yeah. a heart heart attack a, after this. I don't know how much longer. But oh, yeah, uh yeah, 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 I yeah. It, but this was this was an offer. I think uh um at the time there was also something with the Germ the the German occupation, the Nazi occupation that they had something similar to this where they had yeah. offered to take uh prisoners that were were willing to either say, "Hey, you know what? I could either take the wrath of the Nazi the Nazi occupiers." That might be shot or you know put in prison, concentration camp, yeah. whatnot, or I can go down this hole. They let me go spelunking. Yeah, and so I think a lot of them would at first take that chance, but uh, I think the legends kind of continue a little bit. And you have to take everything with a grain of salt, folks. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the legends here in Czech Republic uh, are wonderful, wonderful stories. Oh yeah, and great to tell you know over a fireside chat. But to say that there's a lot of truth to them would be probably stretching it. But there, as we said in the beginning of the show, there's a lot of fact. There's a lot of fiction and wrapped up in superstition. Wrapping up the program tonight uh, on this Destination episode of Huska Castle, we, we can take a look that this, this castle is not quite what you would have seen in the 9th century. It's much more accessible now than, than it ever has been, and we can thank uh, who for that. Yeah, that, that would be Ferdinand III. After the Thirty Years' War, he wanted it to be less defensible, which makes sense. It's not near any border, so he wouldn't, you know, he just wanted it to be more of like a hunting house, kind of hunting villa, hunting chateau if you will um so yeah instead of instead of a defensible fortress in the middle of his country that right. doesn't make any sense and so no longer you don't have to to get your rock, rock climbing shoes together to climb up this long this limestone uh, little mini mountain you, you would just actually way, drive or walk up there it would have been easily. way cooler before to yeah. see it up on the i think and, it and the, the other the other castle we drove by, by is still kind of like that it's way up on that hill and uh, pretty Be steep yeah, Bezdej is is it's on. If you if you head from uh, take you know from Prague, there's several ways you can go. But the quicker way, and it still took us about an hour and fifteen minutes driving. Oh, because of traffic. Uh, yeah. Traffic, yeah. But if if you head towards Mlada Boleslav, which is uh, towards the northeast of Prague, for about an hour or so, and then you kind of jet up yeah, a little there, bit there. There's a lot of neat stuff in that area. It, there, I mean, there really is, yeah. and uh, you don't have to go too far. You pass uh, Mlada Boleslav, and you'll see Bezdej. Right there at the very top of the hill, it's a beautiful uh, ruin of a castle. You head uh, west from there uh, through these winding little roads through cornfields and, and uh, a couple little villages, and you're there. You actually see it. So yeah. we really recommend going there. I think it's, it's, it's worth doing and taking the tour. Privately owned, so you're going to have to probably do some research about when it's open and the months that it's open. The fee is nominal to get in. But Inside Out Castle. I mean, that's Inside Out Castle. See. Yep. It's got to protect whatever whatever secrets it's holding from the inside out, mm -hmm. which would kind of make the hair in the back of your neck stand up a little bit. Yep. All right, we want to thank you so much for listening in to this destination episode on, on Huska Castle on the Bohemian Podcast. Be sure to tune in to our other shows coming up very soon. Thanks for listening. Yep, thank you very much. You have been listening to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com. Or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemian Podcast, thank you for listening.